Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Uh, first, first Timothy chapter 4, uh, would you look at the very uh, famous verse number 12? Uh, First Timothy chapter 4, and the very famous verse number 12, where the Bible says, let, let no man despise thy youth. So, okay, young people, I'll say this to you tonight. Don't let people disparage or look down on your testimony for the Lord. Don't let them do that. Now, how do you silence the critic? You know, when people would look at a young person and say, well, they really can't live for God. They really can't be a leader for the Lord. They really can't be an influencer for God. How do you silence them? How do you silence people that would disparage young people leading? And the way you silence them is not by arguing with them. The way you silence them is not by picking a fight or getting mad and taking your ball and bat and going home. No, the way to silence them is to live a, a, a life that, is, that, that demonstrates to them that you are a bona fide Christian leader. And watch, watch what it says in verse number 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Do you, do you know that God sometimes uses young people to be an example to all of us about what the Christian life ought to look like? You say, really? Yeah. I'll tell you this. Some of the best Christians I've ever met in my life are teenagers. Some of the best Christians I've ever met in my life are teenagers. Why? Because a lot of times teenagers, when they get on fire for the Lord, and teenagers, when they have a heart for God, they just go all in. Sometimes if we're not careful, adults, we, we kind of go half in. You know, we don't really go all, but teenagers have passion. But when they believe in something, when they see something, boy, they, and, and it's real, they dive in. And so the Apostle Paul said, uh, so Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth, but be thou an example of the believers. And then it gives us the areas. Look, look, at, look at that, verse number uh, 12. In word, in other words, the, the kinds of conversations you have, the words you use, the speech patterns of your life, in, in conversation, that means your lifestyle itself, in charity, that means in the way that you demonstrate love by giving, uh, in spirit, uh, that's, your, that, that's attitudinal, uh, that's the disposition that you uh, emit uh, in faith, in purity. And uh, we've heard messages on this, on, the, on this verse. The point is teenagers sometimes have a great testimony, and teenagers sometimes make some really great decisions for the Lord. Now, here's my lesson tonight. My lesson is, so then how do we help them better keep those decisions? How do we help them better uh, go on for God. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a church or a church, uh, a, a, a camp service where I've heard somebody uh, say something suspicious like, wow, it's great all those teens made all those decisions. Let's see how long they last. What a horrible thing to say. What a horrible thing to say. It's almost like we are uh, putting a wet blanket, blanket on a hot decision almost immediately after it's made. And maybe one of the reasons why teenagers uh, don't keep decisions so readily is because we don't encourage them 
uh, so consistently. And so how can we help teens keep, uh, keep decisions? And even a better question is this, in what ways can we make connections for teenagers that will help them go on for the Lord? In what ways can we connect teenagers so that they can go on for the Lord? I'm not talking about connecting to teenagers. I'm talking about connecting teenagers, connecting them to things that will help them move on for the Lord. I want to give you six tonight. Uh, There's many more that I could give you, but let me give you six things, six ideas, six areas uh, of importance where we need to connect teenagers, okay? So we looked at 1 Timothy uh, chapter Four, so, uh, go over one, uh, one book to 2 Timothy chapter 4. So we looked at first, 2 Timothy chapter 3. So we looked at one uh, verse in 1 Timothy 4, uh, but look at 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 14. And we're going to read it here in a moment. Just find it. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 14. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 14. So connecting teenagers, connecting teenagers. So, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If, if I'm going to help a teenager keep decisions, if I'm going to help a teenager live for God, and by the way, this works for anybody. This works for somebody that's new to church. This works for somebody you're mentoring. This works for someone you just led to Christ. This works for anybody. You know, what, once a person has expressed a desire to serve God, watch this, in any way, in any way, then, then what is our job as parents, as moms, as dads, as mentors, as pastors, as leaders, as an older, uh, more faithful teenager? What's our job? How, what, to what should we connect them? I would say, number one tonight, we need to learn to connect them to the Word of God. Learn to connect them to the Word of God. Getting people attached to, related to, uh, habituated in the Word of God. Now watch what Paul, uh, Paul says in verse number 14, where he says, uh, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So, T- Timothy, I'm going to die. Timothy, I'm literally going to die. My, my ministry is over. Uh, I am, if you don't get here quickly, you'll never see me again. And by the way, Paul was, he was not being morose or morbid. He was simply being honest. He was about to be executed. And very shortly after Paul wrote this letter, uh, they took a sword and cut his head off. True story. He was executed as a martyr for Christ very soon after this happened. And so Paul knows I'm going to die. So I want to tell Timothy some things because I'm not going to be here. Some things that are non-negotiable in his life. And watch what he says. Number one, verse number 16. And, uh, and that from a, uh, 15 rather. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. Timothy, your mom, Eunice, you, your grandma, Lois, they used to teach you the Bible. You used to memorize the Bible. You used to learn the Bible from the time you were a little kid. You've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, see that in verse 16, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Timothy, let me tell you this. I'm not going to be here, but what remains and will remain forever is the infallible Word of God. And Timothy, you must have a personal relationship with the Word of God. You must. You must have a personal relationship because that's the way by which you're going to grow. 
that the man of God may be perfect. That means a spiritually mature, uh, a furnished unto, a thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So what's the key? The key is, I'm glad you're here at, at church on a Thursday night. That's wonderful. Every one of you guys, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you're faithful on a Sunday morning. But can I tell you this? If your only connection to God is through church on Thursday nights and Sunday mornings, you're not going to do well spiritually. If your only connection to God is on a 30-minute, 40-minute lesson on a Thursday night or a 45-minute sermon on a Sunday morning, I'm telling you that is not enough to keep you going. Uh, the Bible is to your soul what food is to your body. Can you imagine if you only ate twice a week? Well, I'm going to eat Sunday mornings, have a big breakfast, and I'm going to eat on Thursday nights. Okay? Well, that probably wouldn't be a bad idea for some of us, for, for a season at least. But the point is, that's not going to be sustainable. That's not going to be sustainable. And by the way, getting the Bible simply through the preacher twice a week is not sustainable for Christian growth. And then we wonder why we struggle spiritually. Then we wonder why we have these uh, seasons of doubt and these episodes of skepticism. Why? Because the Word of God is not there. So we have to connect them to the Word of God. Now, how do we do that? Well, we do that in a couple different ways. First of all, you do that by uh, modeling it in your own life. Let me ask you a question. If people were to imitate you, if they were to copy you, would they read their Bible more? If people were to imitate you, uh, would they have a greater commitment to the Word of God? I remember a, a kid I knew in college. His name was Mark. Mark was not an athlete. Mark was not a, um, Mark was not a, a popular kid, necessarily. Mark didn't have any... He didn't have a big personality. He wasn't popular in that sense. I'm going to tell you something. Mark was a godly, he was a godly friend. Here's a 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid. And this guy just walked with God. Like when you live with other guys in the dormitory, you, you know if people have a walk with God. You know if people read their Bible. You know if people pray. You know if people uh, get angry easily. And when you live with people, they might fake it at church, but you can't fake it at home. They know. And Mark, I'm telling you, to this day, I'm 56. I'll be 57 here in a couple weeks. I'm telling you, to this day, one of the greatest influences in my life is Mark. Why? Because Mark challenges me in my relationship with the Word of God. You know that Mark, and I'm not suggesting you do this, you know that Mark, since the time he was 18 years of age, has read his Bible through every single month of his life. That's, that's unbelievable. Every month. He reads his Bible every month. I mean, all of it, cover to cover. It takes him two and a half hours a day. You say, well, I don't have that time. And that may be true, but I'm going to tell you this. He doesn't watch TV. He doesn't surf the internet. He doesn't, I mean, he makes the time. It's the first thing he does. He rises at 4.30. By the time 7 o'clock rolls around, he has finished his Bible reading for the day. I would sit next to him in chapel in Bible college, and he would say to me, uh, the preacher would open the Bible, say, turn to this verse. He'd say, I just read that. Or, hey, I'm going to read that next week. He was two weeks away from having read any verse in the Bible at any time in his life. 
He's two weeks away from having read any verse in the Bible at any given time in his life. Think about that. Now, you're going to grow by accident imbibing that much of God's word in your life. And I'm saying this, that one of the most important things we can connect teenagers to is the, the word of God. And, and yet, in so many youth groups, you'll see it tomorrow. In so many youth groups, it's almost like the last thing we're connecting them to is the word of God. It's like we, we feel like the way to reach this generation is more fun, more activity, uh, more, uh, more events, uh, more programs. And I'm for all those things in their place. Yeah, let's go ride a roller coaster every now and then. Let's go out and do some hiking. Uh, let's uh, have some competition. That's all well and good. But listen, if it doesn't feed to a time with the word of God, then what are we doing? Then what are we doing? And we need to learn to connect teenagers to the Word of God. So I'd say, number one, uh, tonight, as we're connecting teenagers, number one, connect them to the Word of God, right? Number two, would you look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1? You're right there in 2 Timothy. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is so important. And verse number five, where the Apostle Paul says, when I call to remembrance, now don't miss this, the unfeigned faith, and what does that mean? That means, uh, Timothy, one thing I like about you is that you're real. Unfeigned means not faked. Have you ever met somebody who's fake? You know, they're, they're one thing on the outside, but they're different on the inside, right? Or they're one thing with one person, but they're uh, different with this person. That's called two-faced, right? We've all met people like that. And truth be told, we've all been like that a little bit at some points in our life. Okay, so what Paul said to Timothy is, Timothy, one thing I love about you is you have an unfeigned faith, and here's why. Because I saw that in your grandma, Lois, and in thy mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded that in thee also. So Timothy, you have an authentic faith in God, and that authentic faith you have uh, started in the lives of your mom and grandma. I mean, that, that's where you got it. You, you learned it from watching them. So, number one, connect teenagers to the Word of God. But watch this. Number two, connect them to their parents. Connect them to their parents. They say, well, wait a minute, Pastor Skelly, you're, you're, you're not understanding, you know, kind of the nature of our teen ministry. Sometimes I've, I've done this lesson for numerous uh, churches in conferences or youth workers' seminars, and sometimes people will come to me and say, well, Pastor Skelly, uh, uh, that point really doesn't fit my teenagers because you understand most of my teenagers have broken homes. And what I say to that is so did I. So did I. You know, when I grew up, my, my dad and mom got divorced when I was a kid. My mom was a single mom. Uh, I got a stepdad when I was 10 and he didn't go to church with us. And he'd take his daughter, my stepsister, to the Catholic church. And we'd go down to this church. And so I, I understand a little bit. You know, I didn't grow up in a cookie-cutter home. By the way, if you have grown up in a home, young people, where your mom and dad both love the Lord, and they try to train you, that's, that's, a, that's a bonus. That's a blessing. But understand, in youth ministry, our job is not to take kids away from parents. No, our job is to help them be a better child, a better son, a better daughter to their parents. See, my job is not to replace mom and dad. 
My job is not to say, well, you know, my, my, my teenagers would do a whole lot better for God, but their parents are the biggest problem. They're, no, 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 that's a wrong philosophy of youth ministry. You say, well, how can I help a teenager have a better relationship with his mom and dad if his mom and dad don't even know the Lord? How can I help a teenager have a better relationship with his mom and dad when his mom and dad don't even want to come to our church? How can I help them? And you know what I always say to that? That's the easiest. That's the easiest teenager to help. Now, I don't know uh, the teen- teenagers that are here tonight. By the way, thank you for coming. I-, I don't know which one of you have, well, I guess I do know a-, a couple of you, but I-, I don't know which ones of you have moms or dads that go to church uh, and which ones don't. I-, I know a couple of you, okay? But, um, but, but I'll say this. If I had a teenager in my youth group, and I have many in our youth group back in, in-, in uh, Virginia, if I were to say, Hey, listen, here's what I want you to do tonight. Your mom, dad, they don't know the Lord. They don't come to our church. Here's what I want you to do tonight. I want you to go home, and I want you, when your dad asks you to take out the garbage, I want you to stop what you're doing, put your phone down, okay? Put the remote control down. Flip the, to, turn, to, put the computer screen down, okay? Put the game console down, Okay? And I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to look at your dad in the eye. And I want you to say, yes, sir. And then I want you to go out, take out the trash, empty it, and come back in and say, dad, is there anything else you need? Okay? And then when your mom is loading the dishwasher, I want you to say, hey, mom, listen. I know, it's, I know you've had a busy day. Okay? I want you to stop what you're doing, mom. Why don't you let me finish that for you? Take you five minutes, take you 10 minutes, and finish. Let me wash those dishes and finish that. So when your mom and dad get off the floor from having suffered a heart attack, okay, and they're like, what have you done with my daughter, okay? And they say, what happened to you? Then tell them this. Say, well, mom, dad, that, that's what the Lord expects of us. The Lord wants us to, to honor our, our father and mother, and that's what they teach us in youth group. That's what they teach us at church. Do you think that that would help them have a better attitude toward God? Do you think that would, I wonder if you're a teenager, and I don't know which ones this applies to or not, but if you're a teenager and you come to Moses Lake Baptist Church, you know, and, and they, your parents know you come to church, but they don't go to church, and you come home, you have the same bad attitude, the same rebellious spirit, you have the same, the same laziness around the house, they still have to get on you about the same things, then what are you telling them? You're telling them, hey, I go to church, but church makes no difference in my life. What you're telling them is church is really not valuable in any real sense. So what do we do as as a church? But we need to learn how to teach and train young people to obey mom and dad, to respect mom and dad, to value mom and dad, and let them be used of God as young people in their example to make a difference for the cause of Christ. And so number one, connect them to the the word of God. But I would say number two tonight, connect them to their parents. Connect them to their parents. And I'm sure that you do this, uh, Brother Robert. I'm sure that you do. uh, But uh, it's very, very important to understand in youth ministry that our ministry is not just to teenagers. Our ministry is to mom and dad. 
Our ministry is to parents. And our job is to resource them. Our job is to help them to understand their God-given lifelong responsibility. As a youth pastor, I've got kids for six years. I've got them in seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, and then they're off. Okay? But moms and dads, you have them for a lifetime. You held them when they were first born. Uh, you're going to be, be there at their graduations and their weddings. And you're going to be the grandma and the grandpa. Uh, that, that you're going to have them a lifetime. We better enhance the relationships that dads and moms have with their kids. You know this? The Old Testament ends with a curse. You know that, right? The first half of the Bible, uh, the Old Testament, the first 39 books, it ends with a curse. And the curse is this. Fathers won't get along with their kids. And kids won't get along with their dads. And before Jesus comes, God's going to send a prophet to remind families, no, you need to have a proper attitude toward each other. That, that's the end of the Old Testament. Do you know that we have that responsibility to help and connect teenagers to their parents? Okay, number, number three, connect them to the word of God. Connect them to uh, mom and dad, to their parents. Number three, this is important. If you're a youth worker, many of you are. Uh, you work with teenagers. Uh, this applies to working with children. This applies to working with young people in a Wednesday night a children's program. If you're a Sunday school teacher, I know that when I talk to the Thursday night crowd at the church, I know I'm talking to the cream of the crop. I'm, talk I'm talking to the workers. Okay, so if you work with young people in any way, shape, or form, then consider these principles yours. Connect them to, to the word of God. Connect them to their mom and dad. Number three, connect them to yourself. Connect them to yourself. You say, what do you mean by connect them to yourself? You, you connect them. Isn't that kind of like uh, promoting hero worship? Isn't that, uh, isn't that a little bit self-serving? Isn't that a little bit selfish? Isn't that a little bit uh, egotistical? Connect them to yourself? Not at all. Not at all. Matter of fact, what you're going to find in the Bible is that was a very common thing for leaders to do. Okay, think about it. The Apostle Paul said this, ready? Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying, you need to be connected to me. Not, not just, and to follow somebody doesn't mean that uh, you're just listening to their sermon. You know, to follow somebody means, uh, the word literally means you're gonna imitate them. So if you're gonna imitate me, what, you're, what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to watch me. If you're going to say, do what I do, you're going to have to watch me. And I, as a leader, I'm going to have to allow you to, to be involved in my life. That's what discipleship is, by the way. Discipleship is not you sitting down with somebody and filling in the blanks of a Bible curriculum. And I'm all for that. That's not discipleship. No, discipleship is life on life. Discipleship is doing life together. I'm going to tell you something. When, when I started, didn't start, but took a very small church called Harvest Baptist Church in, uh, in New Kensington, Pennsylvania, one out of every three buildings in our town was boarded up. I mean, we had uh, drug addicts and, and prostitution right on the corner in front of our church. and Our cars were broken into almost on a weekly basis. I mean, it was a rough, rough neighborhood. And I'm going to tell you what we did. And we had no youth group. None, no youth group. So I started a youth group. I mean, I just started. First night, we had a youth group. We had four adult workers that I recruited. Me, I was the fifth one, and two teenagers. 
So there were seven of us, and five of us were adults. What did you do? We had youth group. We had activities. We had games. We had prayer. We had a Bible study, and we had a good time. By the way, the next week, we had four. We doubled. We doubled our youth ministry in one week. <laughs> Guess what? About uh, a few months later, we had a whole van full. A van full of us. There were 15 of us fit in a 15 pastor, and I would drive these kids to these youth rallies all across the state of Pennsylvania. Come on, guys. By the way, I wouldn't just take them to youth rallies. I mean, I would go by. It's summertime. It's, these teenagers that are 13, 14, 15 years of age, they don't have jobs. They just sleep in until like 2.30 in the afternoon and then get up and take a nap, you know? So I'm like, I'm going to go. So I would go by their houses. Like, I, I would go by their houses. I'd go by Grant's house. I'd go by Carl's house. I'd go by Josh's house. Now, I'd go by a, another kid named Josh, his house. I'd just stop by. I'd say, okay, guys, let's go. I'd say to mom and dad, okay, if they come with me, yeah, please, pastor, take them on them. So they'd come. Where are we going? We're going to Walmart. Why? Because every interesting thing is at Walmart, okay? All the weird people just go down. I've seen some of you at Walmart, so don't give me that look, okay? We go to Walmart. I'm, listen, I'm running errands for the church. I'd, I'd take them to the bank with me, make the deposits. We'd go to Walmart, get the, the, the candy for the children's ministry on Wednesday night. We'd go help this widow rake her late leaves. I would just take them with me. I said, uh, here's what I do as a pastor. Here's what I, I'd, I'd take them on hospital calls. These teenagers, how did they learn how to do ministry? They learned how to do ministry by just doing ministry. I took them with me. Everywhere I went, I'd go on a preaching trip. Let's go, let's go. And we just did life together. You know that a teenager that doesn't have a godly mom and dad can learn more sitting at your kitchen table on a Sunday afternoon in three hours than you can teach them in 10 months of Sundays. They need to see your life. They need to see your life. They need to learn how to imitate you. And that pattern is all throughout the Bible. Uh, Paul said to Titus, young men, exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, Titus, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of them. Hey, Titus, find some young men and tell them to get serious about God and then live it in front of them. That's what he said. Find some young men, tell them to be serious about God, and then say, hey, do like I do. By the way, you know the word pattern? It means, it means like a, a pattern, like some of you maybe uh, do some sewing, a sewing pattern. You, you sew after, that's what that means. That the pattern of your life would be the shape of their life. It's not that you're trying to make little disciples of you, but as you follow Christ, they need to see what Christianity looks like, what it looks like. Not just on a piece of paper, not just in a fancy sermon on a Thursday night. You don't know me. You don't see my life. I'm just a preacher that comes in and says a few things on a Thursday night. But you need to find people in your life that are good and godly Christians. I'm talking about young people. And then as older Christians, we need to find some young people and say, listen, let's spend time together so you can see my life for Christ and imitate it. Connect them to yourself. Man, we, we're just too busy. We're too busy. And let me just encourage you, as you do your life, understand people are watching your life. I remember getting picked up for a Wednesday night 
a children's ministry program. I was probably about 12 years of age, Pastor. My good friend Eric O'Neill lived down the street, and Eric was a year younger than I was, a grade younger, the same age, but a grade younger. We'd often go together, and that night, uh, uh, my mother couldn't give me a ride to Wednesday night church, so I asked Eric, can I ride with you? He said, sure. So I lived on Dowd Street, and I walked up to Kirkham Drive where he lived, and I waited outside, and sure enough, out came uh, Eric and his dad. And his dad was a deacon at the church, very respected guy. So we got in the, in the pickup truck. It was one of those old pickup trucks, one seat. And so it was his dad, and then Eric sat in the middle, and I sat on the passenger side, and we're driving to church. So I, listen, that, I, I was 12. So that was 40, and we're about to pull out, and this car pulled in front of my friend's dad. And immediately, my friend's dad, the deacon at the church, began to cuss this guy out. He blank, he blank, 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 screaming. And I remember just sitting back like, oh. Oh. Like, because I didn't have a dad that went to church. My biological dad was an atheist. But I always respected, like, Eric, that's, that's what it's like to have a Christian family. It must be, it must be great to be around him. And what I realized is, wow, I don't want to imitate him at all. And listen, that, that's 45 years ago, and I'm still telling that story. You know this, parents, let me just say this. You, your kid, you, you don't get to choose your kid's memories. Did you ever think about that? You don't get to choose your kid's memories. If you want something really humbling, talk to your ch- older children and say, hey, what do you remember when you were six? What do you remember when you were eight? You know what they'll tell you? Things that you don't even remember. Random things. What we want to do is spend a lot of money on a big vacation and let them remember that. They don't remember that. So save your money. <laughs> they remember simple things. Like, Dad, remember we used to always play that little game every night when you did devotions. You'd always, I said, oh, I forgot all about that. But they didn't. See, connect them to yourself. You know the biggest key to that? T-I-M-E. That's the biggest key. T-I-M-E. It's spending that time together. My dad left our home when he was, when I was, well, when he was 27, 27. I was three. And... I saw him once a year until I was 10. And then I didn't see him again until I was 25. Now, I had the opportunity to lead my dad to the Lord before he died. He died at age 56, younger than I am right now. My dad died. But how sad. What a sad life that he never got to know his kids or his grandkids. What a sad life. And sometimes we live that sad life even with our kids around because we just don't invest the time. So let me encourage you on that. So connect them to the Word of God. Connect them to their parents. Connect them to yourself. Uh, Really quickly, and I'll move a little bit more quickly now. Uh, Number four, connect them to each other. 
And what I, what I mean by that is a, a youth group ought to be just that. It ought to be a youth group, a youth group. You know, um, Lena rode back with us. I, I hope it's okay, Lena, to tell the story. But Lena rode back with us, um, and she attended the conference here, and there was some, some youth activities at this conference. And it was a good, a good conference, uh, good youth activities. But, you know, Lena mentioned, and she wasn't trying to be critical. She was just observing. We were just talking. And she, she observed. She said, you know, you know I, I, I walked into uh, the, the youth meeting, and it's just like nobody really greeted us. No one really even talked to us. Like, and it wasn't that they're bad people. Maybe they just weren't trained to do that. It wasn't that they didn't like us necessarily. It just, it just was awkward for us as visitors to walk in and like feel like nobody really even cared that we were there. So what's that? That, that tells me that there wasn't a culture of connection, a culture of connection. And the culture of connection is that we are members, watch this guys, we are members one of another. You say, what does it mean to be a member of a church? That, well, that means I get to go to that building. That's my building. It's like Planet Fitness. You know, I can go anytime I want. You know, it's 10 bucks a month. I hope it's more than 10 bucks a month. But uh, no, no, we're not members of a place. Watch this, guys. We're members of each other. And let me just encourage you, every single time you come to this church, you just make up your mind, I am not going to come in or leave without going out of my way to greet and connect with somebody. Don't be a lone ranger. Don't, 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 be, don't, don't just come in like this is a transaction. And I say to you teenagers, and don't just connect with each other. That's important. But man, connect with adults. Learn a name you don't know. Introduce yourself. You're a part of this church. And I'm going to tell you, the more connected you are as a church, the stronger the church is, and the more likely you will be to stay for a very long time. You know when people don't stay? When they're not connected. When things aren't glued in, they come off very easily. Right? When things begin to spin in your life, that's when centrifugal force does its, does its job, and you just spin off. You spin off. And so learn to connect to each other. Man, you need each other. We're supposed to provoke one another unto love and good works. Like I just, uh, last week, cleaned my backyard. We had all kinds of wet firewood that's been there forever. Had to be carted out. I found all kinds of like snakes and uh, it was just crazy. But we had to get, we got the job done. But I saved some wood uh, because we like to do some fires in our backyard, have, you know, campfires and people over and that kind of thing. So I did have some good wood I saved. And then there was just some, some wood that I wanted to burn that, that it was easier to burn it than to cart it away. So I started a big fire. And I um, uh, started out there tending the fire. Well, it was a huge fire. I was out there for a long time. And finally, the fire died down. All the wood was gone. It was just cold. Later on that day, I said, so I'm looking all around for the, um, the lighter. You know, get some paper, get some kindling wood, light the fire. And, but here, I couldn't find it for whatever reason. And I found it later, but I laid it down. I couldn't find it. So I thought, well, I wonder if I can just get that fire going. You know, the funny thing is that all those coals in that fire, all I did 
is I took a rake of all things and I raked all those coals into one big pile. So they're all sitting on each other. And I just did this. Now those coals have been there for hours, like seemingly out. But I'm going to tell you something. When all those coals sat on each other again and I blew, they started to get red and that fire came back just like that. That's the way church ought to work. Okay? When the coals get separated, they get cold really quickly. But something magical happens when you get connected. Because fire breeds fire. And heat breeds heat. And I'm going to tell you something. It's, there's no telling what can happen in the youth group at Moses Lake Baptist Church. There's no telling that can happen in the congregation at Moses Lake Baptist Church if you would learn proactively and intentionally to connect yourselves with each other. And don't just wait. Well, I'm just not that kind of, that, that make, that, that, this is not a, a personality thing. Yeah, but I'm new. It doesn't make a difference. This is not a new or old thing. You're in. Nobody is more important than anybody else right here. Because you're older or been here longer or you've been saved longer. Listen, no, it's one body. It's one body. No member is any more important than any other member. So stay connected. How vital is that? So connected to the word of God, connected to their parents, connected to yourself, connected to each other. Two last uh, ones and, and one will make sense and I'll just move on real quickly. Uh, uh, but, but it's important to, to talk about. Connect them to their pastor. Connect them to their pastor. And so I would say, uh, parents, I would say, you know, Brother Robert, uh, other leaders in the church, it's absolutely vital that you connect the people that look to you for leadership to their pastor. Why? Because there's a special biblical relationship that God has formed and forced in the local church, which is the pastoral relationship. And moms and dads, you're very wise to connect your children to their pastor. Not, not in some kind of a weird way, not in some kind of a Jim Jones, drink this Kool-Aid way, okay? Uh, but, 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 but I mean in, in, a, in, in, a, in a natural way, okay? Like we do, that, we do that in other areas of our life. Like my boys all play Little League, and I, I was always careful to say, guys, that's your coach, you know, you need to follow his direction and, you know, and he, he's not like an, a major league baseball manager, but he knows more about baseball than you do. And uh, he wants you to be at practice early or he wants you to practice this drill or he wants you to do these progressions in basketball or he wants you to work on your boxing out or he wants you to take 100 shots a day. Then you need to do what the coach says. And you need to, uh, we, 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 we drill on that. We always taught our kids you know, to have a healthy relationship with the other leaders whom God has allowed in their life for the purpose of their growth. Unwise is that parent and unwise is that youth worker and leader that disesteems the relationship kids have with their, parent, with, with their pastor. That's very unwise. You know, seek to undergird the other authorities in your children's lives. Seek to, as much as you can. Now, sometimes, you know, leaders do crazy things, and we can't support that. I get that. But the point is, good and godly leaders in their life. 
We ought to be doing that. We have uh, one family in our church, the Wood family, wonderful family. Um, he's an accountant. He was a Marine for years and just a gem of a guy. And, and they've uh, just their kids are wonderful. And, you know, every week at church, and we've got a large church, uh, but every week at church, I can count on it. I can count on it. I'll finish preaching, and I don't bother going back to the back to shake hands because I'm old, and that's too long of a walk. So I just, I just figure if people want to talk to me, they can just come talk to me. So I finish preaching, and I sit down right here. That's what I do. I, I sit, sit down here, and, and people come talk. And I hang out as long as people want to hang out. And I'll sit here. Uh, every single week, I can count on it. Here comes Grant. Here comes Grayson. Here comes Lola. You know, here comes Gabe. Who are they? They're the, they're the wood kids, and they're going to come up and say, hi, pastor. They're going to give me a hug. They're going to sh- give me a picture they drew. They're going to, wh- what is that? That's not them. They didn't come up with that idea. But now it is now because it's, it's enculturated. But that was a mom and dad that said, hey, we just w- always want our kids to have a relationship with their pastor. And I think that your church, and we need to learn to connect the people, especially young people, because they're, they're such great soul winners. They really are. To, to lost people for the purpose of making a difference for the cause of Christ. So uh, when, when I was uh, in, I'll close with this story. When I was in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, I, you know, I, I was 29 when I started the church, took the church there. I'd started a church in, in um I had interim pastor at a church for a year in Chicago when I was 22, and I looked like I was 12, like literally. And then I started a church in Connecticut when I was 25, and I looked like I was 13, okay? Uh, then when I was 29, I went and took a church in, in New Kensington, and we had just a handful of people, and, and I didn't really know anybody in Pennsylvania. I had no relationships. I had my neighbors, but I nobody else I really knew. And there was nothing really to do at the church. Like there was no Christian school. There was no uh, other ministries. It was just you kind of open the doors on Sunday morning and then shut the doors when the church is over. Sunday night, Wednesday night, that was it. There was nothing else to do. And the pastor that was before me, really, really small church, would never even go to the church except for when the preaching times were. So I decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit more official. So we, we would go to church in the morning. I'd start my day at, at, at eight, 8 o'clock. I'd stay at church until 4.30, keep my office hours. And then I would take time every day and go out and knock on doors. Like two or three hours a day, I'd go out and just knock on doors. Knock on doors. And here's what I'd say every time. Knock on the door. Person comes to the door. Hi. I always take a teenager with me. Always. Oh, because they were the ones that had time. I was like, one of you guys would be with me, okay? We're, and we're at the door, and they'd be like, Pastor Kelly, I hate doing this. I know we're going to get some ice cream, okay? All right, all right. So, so, we, so we'd sit at the door, knock on the door, and the person comes to, come to the door. They'd look at us like we're both teenagers, because I look like, like I was 15 at that point. So I'd say, hi. I said, hey, um, I just want to introduce myself. Uh, my name is, is Pastor Skelly. And I'm the new pastor, and I just don't think I've met you yet. Just, I just want to introduce myself and let you know I'm here. If you have anything at all that you need, any prayer requests, please, I just want you to know that. Well, listen, they, they have no clue. And, and, and I, I mean, this happened all the time. Honey, um, 
The new pastor's at the door. They have no clue. They never go to church. They're thinking I'm their pastor, you know? I did that for years. <laughs> I did that for two or three years. Knock at the door. You know what? I just the other day went through, in my mind, the kids that used to do that with me. One of them just called me the other day. He said, Pastor, I just want to thank you for those times when we went out door knocking together and whatever. I said, thank you, Sam. I said, by the way, how's the church doing? He's a pastor in Michigan who started a church just about the same time that Pastor Dennis started Moses Lake Baptist Church. God's using him in a great way. And I went through person after person after person. You know the difference is made? The difference is made as we intentionally make the connections. It's not about rows in a service. It's about the authenticity of your heart and the intentionality of your life and making a difference in the lives of these teenagers and the teenagers that will show up tomorrow. So let's just do this. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. And I'm going to pray out loud. Uh, but as I pray out loud, would you pray too in your heart? And ask the Lord, number one, God, would you make me a better mentor? Yes, of young people, but a better mentor, period. God, would you help me to apply at least one of these principles to my life? Maybe it's the word of God that has just begun to collect dust on your nightstand. Maybe it's a relationship with your mom and dad, teenagers, that just isn't right, but could be repaired so well with just humble submission and love and help at home. Maybe it's just a connection with this church body or the relationship you have with your pastor. But whatever God has touched your life about, when I pray out loud, why don't you pray and tell the Lord about that?